so glad you're here. We hope you are as well. I want to start this morning by reading Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, my King. Let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I hope you're ready to sing today. Let's sing together. Be thou my vision. worship you today. You are our high king of heaven. There is no one we have but you. You are our faithful God of all the universe, unchanging, immutable. We love you. We bow our hearts and our minds to you today in worship and reverence for you. We surrender to you, Jesus. We worship you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray.
But you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come. Knowing the battle's won. Hallelujah. For you have never failed me yet. This promise stands. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness, I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you've never failed me yet. 
center ourselves on who you are and what you have done for us. We can celebrate today because of your suffering, of your death, and the victory that you have brought into our lives because the victory over the sting of death. We celebrate today because of the freedom and the joy that you have brought into our lives, regardless of what the worldly circumstances are around us. We walk differently. We talk differently. We think differently. We live our lives differently because of what you have done in us and what you are doing through us. We are your people called by your name. This is your space your time. And we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We open up our hearts and our minds to your word. It brings comfort, guidance, clarity, direction. brings hope to the hopeless, helps the lost become found, helps the blind to see, and our faith is founded on and centered upon the Word. Faith comes by hearing and that of the Word of God, so we we come hungry for your Word today. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all prayed and everybody said, amen. You may be seated and I want to invite our ushers to join us up front as we prepare to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Jesus, we thank you for the provision that has come and for the provision that is coming. Trust you in all things. So take what we have to offer you. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Continue to build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Kiddos, you can come on up and bring your offerings to your bucket, and then you can follow Miss McKenzie out. She's got some awesome stuff for you today. Just want to remind you about our electronic giving options. That is something that you have not been aware of. You can see the different ways that you can give, um, invest into the kingdom work through electronically. Many of us are in the habit of doing that, and um, the great opportunity is for all of us to participate in what's happening. I want to invite us to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. <clears throat> book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. Before we dig into the reading, we're going to have to really 
catch ourselves up on, on the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was um, born and raised. Is my microphone sounding funny? Is it sounding okay? Okay, it's good. Just I'm getting some feedback here, but that's all right. So my, um, Ezekiel was born and raised during the time of the king. So when we're talking about our Israeli calendar, we're, we're before the exile when Ezekiel gets his start in life. And when he comes of age, he goes into ministry, into the priesthood. So he's serving as a priest. But then the exile happens. King Nebuchadnezzar shows up on the scene and begins to overtake the land of Israel. Go ahead, Monty. Thank you. Uh, goes and begins to overtake the land of Israel and begins to draw people into bondage, into captivity. The exile, and we've been... We've been in and out of the exile for a while now. Um, The exile happens in three phases. So there's three different phases where the armies of Babylon come in, do damage, wreak havoc, bring people into captivity, then they come back a second time, and then they come back a third time. And the third time is when the temple is wiped out and the exile is uh, is fully happened. It's fully done. Um... Ezekiel is drawn into captivity during the second phase of attacks. So Ezekiel has been serving as a priest, and then he's drawn into captivity. And, and, you know, I just want us to think a moment about the trauma that would be attached to such an event where where, uh, normal life is happening and suddenly an invading army comes in overtakes you, you're facing imminent death, but instead they put chains on you and they march you into captivity. Just just take in for a moment the trauma that would be attached to such things. And so so here he's been serving in the time of the kings, and then suddenly this massive transition is happening. He's kept alive and he's drawn into captivity, and he's, he's brought many, many, many miles away from, from his home turf. When you walk through the book of Ezekiel, you're going to see the, this transition happening with him. It begins by describing him as a priest. And, and, um, and then by, by the time you get into chapter 2 and 3, he's made a transition, and now he's functioning as a prophet and so the rest of Ezekiel is Ezekiel away from his home. And not all of the trauma of Israel has, has been finished yet. That doesn't happen until you get to roughly the sort of getting close to the middle of Ezekiel. So his prophecies that, that, that are coming to him are... Are, are speaking to what's currently happening still. Now, he's not there. So what's happening, he's, he's way over here in Babylon, but, but the Spirit of God is coming on him and, and, and bringing visions to him, putting him in a place where he can see or experience what's happening. Ezekiel is very temple-centric, Okay? He was functioning inside of the temple. This was his role. This was his job. This was his life. He's been drawn away from, from that. But you can, you can see um, the, the importance and how his heart beats for what's happening inside of the temple. It's very important. And we've got to remember that the temple, it's God's dwelling place. It reflects his presence. So without the temple, there's a, there's a real lostness, and that's a horrible word, but I'm going to use that. It, there's a real lostness when it comes to a Jew or an Israelite, because, because where is God without the temple? Where is God without the functioning temple, without the Holy of Holies, without the Ark of the Covenant being where it's supposed to be, where God's dwelling place is? So Ezekiel's prophecies tend tend to focus in on what's happening in the temple or what's going to happen in the temple or to the temple. So some of his 
prophecies that are coming through are about what's happening and some are about what's going to happen. And he begins to catch these visions and, and it's really traumatic because he's seeing um, all the idolatry that's taking place and the imminent doom. He can, he can foresee that wave three, phase three, uh, the completion of the exile is, is coming, it's imminent, it's going to happen. And so these words are coming through him. Now, some of the other prophets of his day are, are bringing words of, of hope and, and promise. God's going to take care of us. He's going to protect us. Um, but this is not what Ezekiel is seeing. It's not what he's experiencing. And certainly we know now that it's not what the reality is. These other guys were false prophets trying to bring false hope. Ezekiel's like just laying it out there as it is. He gets, his, gets this vision of the presence of God leaving out of the eastern gate and departing from the temple. That must have been terribly heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and like, what, what do we do now? Presence of God is departing. And certainly phase three happens. Temple is wiped out. Jerusalem is wiped out. And the exile is in full tilt. The exile lasts seven, 70 years. So Ezekiel never returns. Ezekiel never goes back home. The rest of his life, the rest of his years are spent in this position of captivity. But he continues to get prophetic visions of, of, of what's going to happen and and we know the story that, that happens where, where the Lord takes him to the valley of dry bones. And, and the Lord is like, son of man, can, can these bones live? And he's like, you alone know. And, and there's this amazing vision that, that unfolds about how, how this, this valley of dry bones can, can be turned into a nation again. So there's hope that's beginning to be reinstilled in Ezekiel. And by the time we pick up our reading, which we're at today in chapter 47, we come to an amazing vision of what is going to happen. Let's just read right, right from verse 1. And we're going we're gonna to read through 12, verse 12. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. So he's dropping himself. He's being brought into a vision. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. This is a temple that's going to be rebuilt. It's not rebuilt yet, but he's catching a vision of this. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. So here we are, this, this eastern gate again. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. A thousand cubits for us would translate to about 1,700 feet, just, just short of 2,000 feet if you need to think distances here. Measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Then he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. Then he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters into the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish 
because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engleim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every mouth, every month, they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Ezekiel gets this amazing vision of what is to come. The new temple will be, will be built, and it certainly happens because of Ezra, Nehemiah getting things put back together. He gets this vision that when this is built, there's going to be this river that flows from it. There's going to be various depths as the river goes further and further and further out. The further and further out it goes, the deeper it gets until it, until it hits the Dead Sea, which must have been a truly, a truly amazing vision for him because the Dead Sea represents something that can't be fixed, something that can't be changed, something that is just completely dead, which is why they call it that. Things cannot live in that. So to catch a vision where this fresh water is slamming into this dead water and it's being redeemed, it's being changed, it's being transformed into such a thing that, that it, things are flourishing inside of it and around it. Fruit trees, all kinds of fish, there's fishing going on around it and it's, it's just a, a picture, an amazing picture of, of redemption that's happening with this place, this real place called the Dead Sea. You fast forward several hundred years. Jesus comes walking into that temple. Seeing all the horrible stuff that's happening there, he overturns the tables. My house is to be a house of prayer. You've, you've, you've made it into a den of thieves. A bit of a replica of, of what had been happening during the days of Ezekiel. People in charge reject Jesus' ministry his teaching, his leadership, and they crucify him. They don't crucify him inside of the temple. They, they drag him out to an area outside of the walls. But at the, at, the, at the point of his last breath, it is finished, he says, and he breathes his last breath and he dies the temple curtain is torn in two. We've talked about this quite a bit. But this amazing thing happens inside of this, this place, this, this, this place that represents the, the presence of God. The temple curtain is torn in two. I remind us that the temple curtain was this huge curtain, four inches thick, 20 feet high, going from wall to wall. And it, and it, and it, Behind it was the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the God's dwelling place, and it kept mankind from God's holy wrath to come upon them. Only one person, one time a year, was even allowed behind this curtain. It maintained the holiness and the presence of God behind it. At the moment of Jesus' death, that curtain is ripped in two, and, and that's, that's kind of 
all of the story that we get out of Scripture. But let's think about what we just read. This vision that Ezekiel gets, that this river begins to flow from the temple. When, when God rips that temple curtain in two, it represents something. It represents a, a new paradigm. A, a new phase is, it, it, we move into with, with Scripture, with, with spiritual reality. Essentially, God releases himself out of the Holy of Holies. So, so now what? You fast forward just a few weeks to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Just before the day of Pentecost had happened, just Jesus ascended into heaven. He, he needed to show them that he wasn't going to keep popping in and out anymore. He's, he's leaving the earth. He'll return again, but you're gonna have to, we're going to have to wait on that. And here we are still waiting on that. But just before he ascended, so this is just days before the Acts chapter 2 event, he says to them, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to become my witnesses. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You're going to become my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's got four locations that he lists off. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Every place else, number four. Ascends into heaven. All the believers are together in one place. Acts chapter 2. In prayer. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. Tongues of fire come upon their heads. A, a wind comes blowing through the house. They begin to, to speak in tongues. And, and this thing, this water begins to pour out. And it starts in Jerusalem. And it begins to trickle out of Jerusalem into Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ezekiel's vision that we just read measured off a thousand cubits, and it was ankle deep. Another thousand, knee deep. Another thousand, waist deep. And by the time he measured off another thousand, it couldn't even touch the ground anymore. It was so deep. And that water was rushing into the Dead Sea, making it alive. When you put on a Jewish hat, you put on a Jewish mindset, what would, what would represent the Dead Sea? What would be the, the, the deadest things around you that would just seem impossible to redeem? Immediately, I think of Gentiles. This entire Israeli history was, was for them. The, the, the worship in the temple, it was, it was temple-centric. Ezekiel's mindset was temple-centric. Everything about communion with God happened through this place. But when, when, when Jesus dies on the cross, something changes. Something shifts. And I believe that, that the fulfillment of Ezekiel 47 begins to flow forth. As we walk through the book of Acts, the water gets deeper and deeper and deeper as the gospel spreads out further and further. And suddenly, we get to this place where Gentiles are becoming believers. How can this possibly be? This was, this was dramatic because, because the, the, the Jewish believers in Messiah had a real problem with this. They were struggling. They... they they, they still had this temple-centric mentality, had a hard time believing that fresh water could slam into salt water and make it clean, but they're seeing it with their own eyes. They're, they're witnessing the Holy Spirit coming into Gentile men and women and children, and, and they're speaking in tongues as well, and that, that, that was the way for them to know that this, this thing was, was real. It was the evidence they needed to see to know that what was happening, this, this barrier that was being crossed, was, it was radical. You and I, 
are swimming in that river today. This river that, that, that's flowing from, from the heart of the temple out into, out into the world, even to the deadest of places, to the deadest of people, us Gentiles, here we are swimming in that river. Here we are being made new, redeemed by this fresh water that's, that's flowing from the other side of the planet, this story, all the way to us here today. We're still swimming in that river, or at least we're being invited to. The real question comes before us today. How deep are you willing to go into the water? Some of us, we're just kind of, you know, testing it out. Ankle deep. Ooh, that's kind of cold. We're we're treating our relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit, like like we're, we're, we're trying to go swimming in a Colorado river that's freezing. And so we just we step in and then we step out. We step in on a Sunday morning maybe and then we step out for the week and then we might step back in and, and we're kind of doing this ankle dance with, with the water. And, and the Spirit of God is saying, I've got more for you. I've got more for you. I've got so much more for you. If you would just, if you would just follow me in, I can take you into, into such deep waters that that radical transformation can happen in you from, the head, from your head to your toe if you'll just allow yourself to go a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. This is the, the profound vision that Ezekiel is having in the midst of this trauma, in the midst of, of this place where he's completely disconnected from, from where his heart is, from where he wants to be, yet he sees this amazing thing that someday is going to happen. And you and I can experience it now. It's not something that from a distance we have to long for or wonder about, it's flowing. It's been flowing for over 2,000 years. With your eyes closed and, and uh, heads bowed, I, I want to invite Sarah to come back up. And she's going to just lead us in, in, in some responsive worship here. I'm not going to pretend to Know where you're at right now in your spiritual journey. And it could be that, that maybe you, you've been in waist-deep waters or even neck-deep waters, but you found yourself kind of swimming back to the shore, pulling back a little bit. Or maybe, maybe you've just been playing on the banks of the river and you really haven't stepped in yet. And, and, and you just, you know, deep down inside, you, you want more than that. Wherever you're at, whatever phase in this picture you're at, I'm confident that the Spirit of God is, is inviting us to the next level. So as we sing, as we uh, pray, I want to invite this altar space. It, it's open. If, if, if there are folks here today that, that, that want to come and pray and seek and, and want to move into deeper waters, I'm going to invite you to respond however it is that, that you need to respond today. Holy Spirit, your word is, is a lamp and a light. It's, it's shining into us right now. And this, this profound vision as we talk through how it's, how it's unfolding, and it's unfolding before us now. 
the waters are flowing and the waters are deep and the waters are fresh and, 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 it, and, and, and it's transformative. We want to go deeper with you. We want to be all in. In fact, uh, for those of us that have swam in rivers, swift rivers, you just we just kick back and we put our feet up and we wanna we wanna we want your spirit to carry us downstream, taking us wherever it is that you wanna take us, leading us how you wanna lead us. Do your work in us today as we respond to you. a little bit more about the temple, which is pretty amazing. We, we continue to read in the New Testament where Paul makes a pretty strong statement about the body of Christ. Those that have believed in Jesus, that is the functioning temple. We are, the, we are, the, we are his temple now. We, we're still to be temple-centric. That river that, that's, that's flowing, slamming into that Dead Sea, that Dead Sea is made into a, a church family of temples. 
you and I are walking temples of the Almighty now. We carry the Holy of Holies in us. This is why it's so important to move into the depths of the river. Because we should should be reflective of that. When you get into the book of Revelation, you start reading through Revelation, there's, there's all kinds of really interesting stuff, but as you get into chapters 20 and 21, it begins to to talk about the new Jerusalem, this this landing spot for us one day. What's really interesting is all these descriptions about the new Jerusalem, guess what there is no description of? There's no temple. In fact, John says there's no... He didn't see a temple it's because, because the presence of God himself is allowed right here. So there's no need for a temple. There's no need for a holy of holies. There's no need for a temple curtain anymore. That's done. Forevermore, it's right here. His presence right here with us. In fact, open up, if you got your Bible, open up to the very end of Ezekiel. The very last words of Ezekiel, just the very next chapter, says this. And the name of the city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. And all this trauma that he has with with the disconnect from the temple, with watching the glory of God separate himself out from the, from the temple, which reflected the dwelling place, Ezekiel's able to finally see truth about all of this. The Lord is there. That is our and should be our reality I hope and pray that that is your your experience, not not just your temporary Sunday morning experience, but your daily your daily experience. The presence of the Almighty right here and his newly dedicated space is this dead sea that has been transformed and turned into something miraculous. That is our testimony. That's our story. That's us. I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty excited. Anybody else? Okay, good. I didn't think I was alone in that. Hallelujah. We celebrate today because we have been made alive. What was once dead is now alive. That is radical. And that's the effect of the Spirit of God flowing from this place a long ways away a long time ago, directly into our hearts and our lives and our minds and our bodies. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you, and may he fill you with his spirit, with his presence. May the river of God flow deeply in you. May you just swim in it this week and have an amazing one. We'll see you next Sunday.